0: Genesis chapter 5. We'll take our text from verse 5 so we can get a bit of a flow of the, um, of the passage that we're going to be looking at. And uh, our concentration is going to be verse 24. So, Genesis chapter 5, verse 5. And all the days of Adam, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years. And begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived, after he begat Canaan, 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalaliel. And Canaan lived, after he begat Mahalaliel, 840 years and begat sons and daughters.' And all the days of Canaan were nine hundred and ten years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived sixty and five years, and begat Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared, eight hundred and thirty years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalel were eight hundred and ninety and five years, and he died. And Jared lived one hundred and sixty and two years, and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred and sixty and two years and he died and Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him let's uh, let's pray father we thank you for the word of God We thank you, dear Lord, that your word is instrumental, Father, in bringing us to a deeper and a greater knowledge of you, a greater knowledge and the hope of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, a greater joy within our hearts, dear Father, as we walk in this world. We pray, dear Lord, that we would, this morning, dear Father, understand what it is to walk with God. We ask, dear Lord, that you will bless our time together, that you will be a blessing to us, that we could rejoice and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a couple of things that I want to be bringing out this morning, and I've got, uh, I've got a few points. So if we don't get it covered now, uh, that's that's clock's right, isn't it? That one there? Yep. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad that you actually put it there and not there. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, anyway, that's a good thing. But um, praise God. So there's a few things that we want to be able to bring out from the text this morning. One of the things is, by way of introduction, that there are some who walk with God. There are some who walk with God. When you look at the text that we've just been looking at this morning, one of the things that you'll notice is that there are also others who do not walk with God. Okay, we've gone from, and you can take your text from Adam right through to Enoch at this point, and it's fairly consistent all the way through, isn't it? You, you, see, them, you see the days of their lives and how they've lived and who, they've, who they begat, and then when they died. Okay, the total amount of years. But when we get to Enoch, there's a distinctive change in the text. And we see an Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah, 300 years. So we see the total amount of years for each of the individuals. And Methuselah, have you ever done those, um, those little things that we do at camp sometimes? You know those, those, those games where we ask, oh, who's the oldest man in the Bible? You know, And everybody knows it's Methuselah. And not everybody knows that he died before his father. Because not a lot of people realise that his father was Enoch and he didn't die. He was taken by God. He was translated. So so we see a stark distinction in the text. And we see that Enoch walked with God. But he wasn't the last of the antediluvian um, men who walked with God. There was another one who walked with God. And we see that a little bit later on in Genesis chapter 6. Do you know who he was? It was Noah. It was Noah. Amen. He lived in a time in history where the population of the planet uh, grew and became increasingly violent and wicked before the eyes of God. And it was roughly around about 600 years after Enoch was taken, we have Noah. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. And the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just and perfect man in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. So we know that there's some that walked with God. But we also know that there are many who don't walk with God. And, and even at that time, we can see it in Job 21, where he says, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. And this is the greatest grief that we have. The greatest grief that we have is that the vast majority do not walk with God. Um, and they don't even desire God. Matter of fact, they tell him to depart from us. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 10 says I will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. God is not in all his thoughts. So they walk in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, uh, Isaiah, 10, Isaiah 65 says. Now the evidence of the extremity of their foolishness comes to the surface by the very denying of the existence of God. And this is what happens. They come to that point, a level of foolishness, where they would even des- um, deny his own existence. Psalm 14 says, The fool hath said in his heart, That there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So, what we see is that there is a desire of many to remove themselves so far from God that they don't walk with Him, nor do they desire to be with Him. Depart from us. Depart from us. They don't desire His ways, and there's going to come a time where their minds are so corrupted that they become foolish enough to even deny his existence. Romans 1.21 sort of gives us a real clarifying point. And it says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not. That's amazing, when they knew God. When they knew, we, we sit here trying to give apologetics to a whole bunch of people, trying to prove the existence of God, and the text here says that when they knew God, uh, there's a time that every man knows of God, knows of God. Became vain, they did not glorify him as God, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So they didn't begin as fools. There's no indication that they began as fools, but they became fools. Why become a fool once you deny the existence of that which is in plain sight? You know, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Even a child can recognise there's there's something there, you know. There's someone there, that this can't be an accident. But there are some that walk with God. We see here in the text that some walk with God and there's some that don't even care about the things of God. Knowing that there's some that walk with God, it gives us a... Um, it gives us a, I don't know, I guess it's a level of expectation or hope or confidence that we can walk with God. There are things that we can know about how to walk with God. And I just want to bring it out of the text. So what you, because it's nice and early in the morning and I know that you're so wide awake, we're just going to be digging into doctrine this morning. All right. So we want to dig out what's already present in the text. Okay, that's what I want to try and do. Okay, so if there's anything that you actually find that's, a, that's worth applying to your own life, then do so, okay? But from the text that we've got, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him, so we're in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24. From that text, to walk with God presumes that we are known of God. Make sense? To walk with God, just in that text there, we can presume a fact that we have to be known of God, okay. That's what that refers. That's what we're, we're trying to bring out there. It's not considered in the text that these two are strangers to one another. That God and Enoch don't know one another. God knows His name, so they're known of Him. But there's a lot of people, and we've got to need to be known of God. That's the point. We need to be known of God. There's a lot of people that have got head knowledge and a belief in God. They know about him. They profess that they know God. The question is, does God know them? Does God actually know them? Are you known of God? And that's what's vitally important. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying that God is completely ignorant to your existence. Okay? I'm not saying that at all. It's not referring to just knowing that you're there. We know that no man can come to the Lord lest the Father draw him. So God is constantly doing a work within people's lives. So he knows and he knows the hearts of all men, says Genesis six five. And he looks upon the heart to see that that they are righteous in Romans three ten. He looked upon the heart of David and anointed him king in first Samuel chapter sixteen. The Bible says that all of the hairs on our head are numbered in Matthew ten three. A matter of fact, Job tells us that he holds our very breath in his hands. Our very breath is held in the hands of God. So God knows all men. God knows the hearts of all men. But that's not what's referred to in the text. What we're experiencing and what we're seeing in the text is a relationship. It presumes a relationship here where one is known intimately of the other and they are walking together. So it's not in ignorance. Um, Galatians 4, 9. And this is the distinction that, that the Lord makes in Scripture. And Paul says this, and you'll have, you have a look at what he, how he does it. He says, but now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Do you notice what he's done there? Notice what he's done? He says, after that ye have known God... Or rather, are known of God. He's speaking to who? He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to those who have come into that relationship with God. So, to walk with God first and foremost, you have to be known of God. Known of God in that relationship. It's relational. And Enoch walked with God because he was known of God. And no man can have a relationship with one that they are not known So it's to be in union with God. There was a time in past history where it seems that Adam himself had a relationship with God. He had a union with God. We see that text in Genesis when when the, the, the text says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You, you, I don't know. It's a difficult thing to even imagine the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, you know. But you almost get the impression that this is not something that's unusual. Um, he was actually looking for Adam. Where are you? You know, where are you? It's almost as if he is not where he was expected to be. Do you know what I mean? So there's a there seems to be a, a picture that Adam himself walked with God, and perhaps walked with God in the cool of the day. We don't know how old Adam was. Well, we don't know how old he... Well, we know that he was... That's really hard, isn't it? Because, you know, looks like he might be 25 years old, but it didn't take 25 years to get there. Who knows? Who knows? But we don't know how long it took from the moment he was created, from the dust of the ground until the fall. So we don't know exactly how often he had spent walking with God. So, but something happened. Something happened. There was a break in that relationship. An incredible break in that relationship. A break so bad that even God cast him out of his presence. And he barred the way of return to the garden in which they used to walk. There was a break. There was a change in that relationship. And this has now affected all of mankind. It's affected all of mankind. that They don't walk with God. But here we have in Enoch an opportunity that we can see that we can walk with God. Enoch walked with God. So it wasn't wasn't a complete separation as far as um, our opportunity to be able to come to the Lord and walk with him. But this is the state of mankind today. We're broken in the relationship with God and we're broken through our own sin. And cursed in our way unless we would acknowledge our offence and seek him early. The Bible says, cursed is the ground. And cursed seem to be any way to God but that which he has ordained. If any man does not desire the knowledge of God or of his ways, but rather God be far from him in time and on earth, so God will grant at his death for eternity in hell. God himself will cast them into outer darkness what we have is people willingly wanting to separate themselves from God. And the reality is that if this, if this state of our heart continues on for our entire life, then God will give us that desire for all eternity. Dr. William Provine, speaking about death, listen to him, listen what he says. He says, if I live after I'm dead, I'm going to be really, really surprised. But at least, at least, I'm going to go to hell where I won't have all those grinning preachers Sunday morning with me. mean, these people even know what they're saying. Do they even know what they're saying? And yet that's the desire, you know, that's the desire. But it's not just walking with God that these people reject. You'll notice that it's also walking with any who walk with God. In the end of the day, they will have that, what they've desired all their lives. The Bible says that God hath made, made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. See, so the opportunity to walk with God begins first with a relationship, to be known of God. And when we look at it as as a Christian, you must be born again. And that's fundamental. If you're not born again, you don't have an opportunity to walk with God. You don't have a relationship with him. Second point is that to walk with God presumes an agreement with God. Amos chapter 3, 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? We have to be in agreement with God. I can't be walking with somebody that I'm not in agreement with. Matter of fact, I'd rather not be with them. You know, it's very, very difficult to walk with somebody that you're not in agreement with. You notice that as a relationship between a husband and wife, what bars that relationship and what breaks that relationship oftentimes is a lack of an agreement between the two parties. Can two walk together except they be agreed? So in this we have to have an agreement with God. But how do we have an agreement with with God? You know, how do we have the knowledge of his ways? How do we understand him? How do we even comprehend him? And this is this is the see, this is the desire of God to have a relationship with us. You see, he gave us something. He gave us something that we can understand, that we can come to know, and we can understand exactly what it is to be in agreement with him. He gave us a book, he gave us the word of God, and the word of God. Someone once said that the Bible is God reduced to a book, you know, and in in, in a way I can understand that because within the text of Scripture is such an unbelievable depth of who he is. And we've been going through in the youth group, we've been going through um, talking about individual characters within the Scriptures. And one of the things that are brought out with that is um, how you can know the character of God by the works that he's done in the lives of those that are found in Scripture. And there is an unbelievable depth to the Word of God. See, what God sees as evil, we need to see as evil. What God sees as good, we need to see as good. What God sees as pure, we need to see as pure. What God sees as filthy, we need to see as filthy. We need to be circumspect as well. We need to be redeeming the time. We need to be concentrating and focusing on the thing that God has focused on why he sent his son, why he came into the earth. You know, you can't have a relationship with God or even walk with God unless you're in agreement with God. And the one way that we can know that for certain is by reading his word. Now, I, um, as most of you know, I came out of a charismatic church and I, I can tell you now, they, they are more fervent in prayer than I see in Baptist churches, I have to tell you, in all honesty. They are more fervent in prayer. They don't have a particular position where they sit in, you know, or stand in, or a particular posture. They will lie prostrate on the ground if it means that they can pour out their heart unto God. And I've seen them do that. And they are fervent in their prayer. But all the while, their Bibles are closed in front of them. You see, they're seeking after God for direction within their lives, but they won't consult the book that actually gives them an understanding. You know, Lord, what would you have me to do for my work? You know, and a job comes up and it's in a bottle, you know, so I go, oh, look, an opportunity came up in a bottle. I only got to work Sunday afternoons. A bottle. You got to go to a bottle shop. Do you think when you look at the character of God, that's where he wants you working to be serving strong alcohol to whoever wants it? Do you think he wants you doing that in a day and a morning that you should be in fellowship with your brethren? Do you think? It doesn't take a great deal. I remember one individual, and I might have shared this before, who, who, who said to me, you know, I was in the second series of, oh, it was a, sort of like a mafia show on the television. I can't remember what it was, an Australian one. Um, I know you're not, you're not going to say which one it is because you'll give yourself away. But anyway, it was a terribly violent show, you know. And I actually said to him, well, the Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. If you had just read the text, you would have known not to be looking at that sort of stuff. you know. And that was his problem. It took him two series. He was in the middle of the second series. He's already gone through the first series of violence and swearing and blood and all that sort of stuff. And it still didn't jerry in his head that he shouldn't be watching this stuff. You know, the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Not hard. Be in agreement with God. And act accordingly. So they were fervent, but their Bibles were closed. And how can two walk together except they be agreed? How can they? I don't know about you, but there's not too many mistakes that I've missed. There's not too many that I've missed. I've pretty much hit the nail on the head on a lot of mistakes, you know. Um, So I'm not a qualified authority. I'm not a qualified authority. I'm not a final authority. I'm not what you should be consulting or anybody should be consulting with regards to being in agreement with God. To be perfectly honest, unless you've got a score of 100% in your test in matters of whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of good report, um, you simply don't cut it as a final authority. You don't cut it. We need something that is pure, we need something that is absolute we need the word of God and that's what God's given us so that we can be in agreement with him and we can trust every word and that's what I rejoice in when I open my Bible I can trust every word you know so can two walk together except they be agreed look text goes on and says be holy for I am holy Peter speaks about that to be holy to be with the Lord that's a way of also being in agreement with him And as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matters of conversation. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Ah, There's not too many pulpits that are preaching on holiness today, brethren. There's not too many pulpits that are preaching on it. I guess because there's such a profound relationship with sin, even from the pulpit, that they don't even want to look upon holiness. And this is a real grief and a real sadness for our time. And the Bible speaks about the last days, saying that men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know, that iniquity shall abound. That the love of many will wax worse and worse. Why? It's because iniquity abounds. But brethren, Noah walked with God. Jesus says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. But Noah walked with God. You understand? It gives us hope. If Noah walked with God in the middle of adultery, idolatry, violence in every extent, then what excuse do we have? Abstain from fleshly lust, the Bible says. It speaks about abstaining from all things that are evil. We don't have to be in the face of all this wickedness if we don't want to be. And I know driving down the freeway is pretty tough when you've got these massive billboards in front of you. I know that. I know that. Let's make a covenant with our eyes. Young men, make a covenant with your eyes. that You shall not look upon a maid. The lust after her. This is not how we are to live our lives. We are to live our lives in holiness and trusting the purity of God and believing in him. So, it's not the state of the times that determines one's ability to walk with God, but the desire of the mind and the state of the heart the desire of the mind and the state of the heart. If your desire is to walk with God and your heart's state is in relationship with God, guess what? You can walk with God. You can walk with God. I'm just taking this out of the text, so I'm just bringing these summaries out of the text. The third point here is that to walk with God presumes that he is with me. It presumes that he is with me. There's another element to this about his presence, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus, in John chapter 16, we see that the apostles um, speaking to him and they acknowledge who he is and they say, Now we are sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. But this we believe, that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Because the Father is with me. See, just before, this is in, this is in chapter 16, just before Jesus' own prayer, what we would really call the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17, and just before his betrayal and the fleeing of his disciples and the denial of the one who said he would never deny him, um, and his mock trials and his scourging at the hands of wicked men, his condemnation by those he came to save. This has all happened before that, which he knows is going to happen. Um, his shame in carrying his own execution tool publicly through the streets. His, his, the piercing of his hands and his feet. The laughter, the spitting and the scorn of those that are around him. And the greatest grief of all for Jesus, for our Lord, and I would argue would be the reason why he sweated blood. I don't believe necessarily it was because of the physical ailments that he was going to be going through. I believe with all my heart that it was because for the first time in eternity, for the first time in eternity, he was going to feel forsaken of God. And and how? How was the Lord going to be able to deal with that? And before that, yet he still says, I'm not alone my Father is with me. For my Father is with me. See, knowing God will never leave you nor forsake you not only brings with it comfort in time of need, but it brings both security and joy. You see, brethren, we're brethren of Christ. His Father is our Father. We're not alone. Our Father is with us. Our Father is with us. There's no place where, we, where uh, we can be where God is not. Oh, there's so much to go into here. But Psalm 139 is worth, is worth your noting. Part of it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me. And thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So to walk with God presumes that he is with me. To walk with God. To walk with God also presumes an awareness of his presence. Now, this might sound like the same, but it's a little bit different. Okay. Enoch um, you know walked with God. So too did Noah. Um, Joshua was commanded to walk in the ways of God. Uh, So too were the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 10. Um, And so too are those who are after the Spirit. The Bible says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, the Spirit of God. We're walking after Him. That God is with us is evident from the scriptures. We saw that. And Jeremiah. God speaking through Jeremiah, he says, I am, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Being aware of the presence of God, being aware and knowing that he's right here, that he's in this room, that he's with us, And He's with us at every point, at every step within our lives. Brings us as believers a wonderful joy and a wonderful comfort. It also has a tendency of keeping us in check, you know? Just a little. It does have a tendency of keeping us in check. Being aware that God is really present. Aware of the presence of God. I don't know, can you imagine swearing in the presence of God? Knowing that He's present with you. Can you imagine lying in the presence of God? Can you imagine entertaining that sin that you think is in private? Knowing that God is actually present. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not, the incredible thing is I'm not, if you're, if you're a brother in the Lord, you're not seeing this as big brother watching you. Okay. And that's not how I'm presenting it. I don't want you to feel that this is big brother watching you. It's not, it's not that. You see, our love for God, as Christians, we don't desire to sin. We don't desire to sin. We don't have that desire. Yet the tendency comes. But knowing that He is present blesses our resistance of sin. You know what I mean? It blesses our resistance of sin. Knowing that God is present blesses our resistance of sin. You know, we, we see it in scripture: resist the devil and he will flee from you. We see that in the text, you know? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But but Hebrews also tell us that we have not resisted unto blood, (laughs) striving against sin. Okay? None of us have. None of us have. We give up far too early in our combat and our battle with sin. We give up far too early. But you know what? Knowing that God is present with us, you almost have to feel like, uh, God, just, just go away just for a few minutes here, you know? Or go away while I say what I'm going to say. Or I don't want you to hear, but just block your ears there. You know, The funny thing is, though, and it's really tragedy because we deceive ourselves. See, whether we believe God is present with us or we don't believe God is present with us doesn't change the fact that he's present with us. It doesn't change the reality. The reality is God is present with us. Where are you taking him? Where are you taking him? What are your eyes seeing that his eyes aren't seeing? Where are you taking the Lord? To walk with God presumes communication with god we can't imagine enoch walking with god and not speaking to him we can't imagine adam in the cool walking with god in the cool of the day and not speaking with him we can't imagine noah absent from any communication with god yet undertaking a 120 year project which everybody else thought he was insane doing rain what rain what are you talking about what's rain you know it's never rained Walking with God in the context of this passage assumes communication with Him. I remember, I remember when I used to, before I was a Christian, because I I became a Christian late enough to still remember a lot of my life before I was a Christian, when people used to say that they were talking with God, praying. I think they're nuts, you know. I used to really think that they were nuts. You're talking with God, really? You're talking with God? Does He ever talk back? You know? Um, Some would actually say, yeah, audibly, and I would be confirmed that they were insane. Um, some would be wise enough to say he speaks to me through his word, through his spirit. Yes, um, I told you this story once before. Some of you might not have might not have heard it, um, but before I was a Christian, I remember I, I had a young lady who was sharing the gospel with me. I was 17 years of age, and anyway, she was talking to me. I was talking to her, and to cut a long story short. I had the last train, 8.30, to catch to Melton, right? I was in Footscray at the time. There was a Backers Marsh Line train. It was 8.30 was my train, and it's like 8.25, you know? And I'm in Footscray Mall at that point in time. And I've got to run to the station, you know? And I said to her, look, look I've got to split, you know, because my train's going to be... I've got to catch my train. It's the last train. If I don't catch it, I, I can't get home. She goes, I'll, I'll pray that your train's late. I said, great, great. All right, no worries. You pray, I'll run. So I ran. So I ran. Guess what I was doing when I was running? I was praying. I was actually praying. You know, God, if you're there, please don't let it be late. Please don't let it be late. You know. And I ran to the train station, got up, up over the rickety overpass, came down the bottom of the ramp, and I can see the train right there, and it looked like it was just going to take off. You know, and it was. It started rolling just as I got into the building outside, and I'm looking at the conductor. Just as I got into the building, and I can see him, and he's waved off the train. The train, all I see is the, the, the windows. You know, they had the Red Rattlers back in those days. Remember the Red Rattlers? Yeah, love those trains, they had their little, cab- little carriages. And, anyway, I can reminisce later. Um, so, this train was going past, and uh, the conductor walks up the platform. and I look at the conductor, and as I'm looking at the conductor, I'm looking at the sign, and it says, Back is Marsh a 30. And they didn't have digital ones back then. It was that, er, er, you know, those, they were yellow with the black writing. <laughs> so, there it goes. And I said to him, I "Missed it, huh?" And he goes, "Miss what?" And I said, "8:30 train back as Marsh. Missed it." And he goes, "No, no, it's been delayed. The lines are down. Twenty minutes." Oh, got to be kidding me. You know, I wasn't so convinced that people talking to God was necessarily insane. After that, but you see, you can't walk with God unless you're communicating with Him. Unless you and how do we communicate? We pray. We spend time with Him. We spend time with Him in prayer. It's not possible to walk with God unless you're in communion with Him, and you have to be. You have to be. So praise the Lord. A couple of minutes left. I want to give you just a quick summary, okay? And I'll summarise again later, but for your benefit now. We can know that out of the text, there's some factual presuppositions that we can bring directly out of the text, okay? Um, That there are some who walk with God, right? We saw that. There are some who genuinely walk with God. There are many who don't, but there are some who do. The next one was that to walk with God presumes that we are known of God. We are known of God. We have to be known of Him. Third point was that to walk with God presumes an agreement with God. An agreement with God. Two can't walk together unless they be agreed. I remember when I was, uh, before I was a Christian, there was a whole bunch of people that I'd be happy to hang around with. A right? whole bunch of people, no problems hanging around with them, no problems doing whatever we were doing. We were all fine. You know, um, when I became a Christian, a lot of those people didn't want to have a bar of me anymore. Something had changed. They didn't like it. They didn't like it. You know, um, they didn't like it at all. Um, some of them, I had to choose. I had to make a decision not to spend my time with anymore. Why? Because we didn't agree anymore. You know, we didn't agree anymore. They wanted to spend their time smoking dope and and getting themselves a little bit non-compus mentis. and I didn't want to be anymore. I wanted to be in my mind. <laughs> I wanted to be clothed and in the right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's where I wanted to be. Um, they couldn't understand that, and I had to leave them. Unless, to an agreement, they cannot walk together. So we understand that to walk with God presumes an agreement with God. Um, fourthly, to walk with God presumes that he is with me. That he is with me. And just as the Father was with our Lord Jesus Christ, so he is with us. To walk with God also presumes an awareness of his presence. That that is really key, you know. Just to know that God is present with you, to to be aware of his presence, it's just such a wonderful blessing to be aware that he is present. You know, if he fills heaven and earth. You know, Solomon asked, should I build a house for thee, Lord? Behold, the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee. And I'm going to be building a house for God? You know? How can you be reduced to fit in a house? You know? True. Completely true. We can't even comprehend the immensity of God. And I guess that's what confuses most people when we say that we speak to him. We pray. They can't even begin to imagine. And they try as the Egyptians did. You know, the high priests in the Egyptian hierarchy believe that there is one God. But they didn't believe that the people could comprehend one God, so they broke him down into all his characteristic parts. Okay? The God of money, the God of commerce, the God of health, the God of this, the God of that. They had to break him down, and we have the onset of paganism right there. Why do you think Moses asked God, when the people asked me who you are, who I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. Tell them I am, hath sent me. Why? Because the name of that God or that deity represented the characteristic of Him. Okay? It represented His characteristic. So they know, they know that God is. Be aware of His presence. And the last point was to walk with God presumes communication with God. It's not difficult, it's a beautiful passage in the Bible. A beautiful passage. And later we're going to talk a little bit more about this because I want to get into some applications. So you are the beneficiaries of the doctrine because I know you're all wide awake and it's first thing in the morning and your minds are fresh. All right, It's a wonderful blessing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your blessing, for your mercy. We thank you, dear Lord, that we can we can walk with God. We can know your ways. We can agree with you. We can trust in you, dear Lord, but... We need to have a relationship with you. And I pray, dear Lord, I pray for this church and I pray for the congregation and the members that are here. I pray, dear Lord, that you might know them, that they might be known of you. And I ask you, dear Lord, and I know that we all pray this together, that even during the service dear your Father this morning, that if there be any that are known, not known of you, dear Lord, that they will be impacted by that message that they may indeed be known of you we thank you and we thank you and praise you again for your wonderful mercy and grace i ask you dear lord that you'll be with us this morning and for the duration of the day in jesus glorious name amen